volume was his doctorate. It was on Hasidic stories of America. And I took that book on the boat when I came in Aliyah. I read that book on the boat. That was my light reading. I took with me uh, Shas and a Rambam, a portable Shas, a portable Rambam. And I, that was the one other book I took outside of the Shas and the Rambam, Mintz's original doctorate, which appeared, I believe, in 68. And I'll tell you what, I, I'll tell you what was wonderful about that volume. I, I gave it to my wife to read, so she started reading it. She said, but you know all this. It's true, everything in there I lived. I heard about, but he is so well organized and he is so uh, good in his research. There's only one mistake in the whole volume. Did you catch a mistake? In one of his footnotes, he puts down that Mamzerit is only for ten generations. And that's a, it shows you he's an Amorit. It means Adar, it means to show you that even ten generations, but it doesn't mean only, even beyond. Okay, so uh, that, that was a fascinating volume. And I thank you for lending it to me. It provided uh, some light reading I finished it, I finished that in another volume, someone else sent me, you know, bin Hashur, I was able to finish two outside volumes with every, all the pressures that were upon me over, over the Chag. That's number one. Number two, um, as I announced, today we have a very important shear. Tomorrow morning, again, back to the Rav, next week we'll continue here. You'll see how it's developing now in a moment. And then a week from this Monday morning, I'm giving a Hespit for Joe DiMaggio. Now, I have to tell you in advance, uh, I know it sounds when people hear everyone breaks into a small. It's worth coming to, but you must be on time because it's a malachet machshava and you can't come in late. Also, I invited some outsiders, so that morning I, I want you to daven on time, not to dilly-dally, eat breakfast and come on time. Uh, it's, it's, it's a malachet machshava and uh, if you know anyone who's going to Chinuch or, and anyone on that level, invite them to come. It's a Chad Pami event and it's if, if you want to understand what I'm talking about, I'll only give you a simple muscle. How many, so you studied in Yeshiva Rakolto, Matthew, right? So you know my, uh, my son-in-law, uh, Reb Chaim. Not exactly a personality like yours truly, right? Between me and my son-in-law, uh, I'll be fine it would fall into the home, right? It's a little bit of a difference. So uh, he's the way some of my students would like me to be, if you understand what I'm saying. So uh, he's a presence. He's a Rosh Hashiva. This is you don't you know you're in the presence of a Godel when you're in Chaim's presence. So um, last week I, I mean I'm at the I visit my children once a week. So at the house, uh, in my own devilish way, I figured I'll have some fun. So I say to uh, Chaim, I say uh, this is the announcement I posted this morning at the Kolel. So he looks at it. You know he, he can't throw me out of the house. I'm his father. He has to be a little bit respectful. So I see he's swallowing hard. You know, he didn't even know who Joe DiMaggio was. He grew up, in, you might think he grew up in China for all he knows about baseball. He never went to a ball game in his life. All his life has been books and then learning. So, uh, you know, his parents are both professors, so you understand. So I say, oh, you mean my husband, Joe DiMaggio. So I'm going to bounce some ideas off you that I'm developing. And I worked very hard on this husband, as you'll see. And I started bouncing some ideas. He was mishtomeim. His teeth were falling out. He, he couldn't believe it. He says, obviously... I, I wouldn't be surprised if he comes in next Monday morning. I just uh, don't know if he can arrange it schedule-wise. But uh, I, some of my friends, I let the word. So I one guy, I couldn't believe it. There's a giant fan. He got so angry. He said, he said, Rebaran, he says, DiMaggio, almost your machshmo, he says. I was a giant fan. What the Yankee? I said, Mail, if you were a Brooklyn fan, I could understand it. But a giant fan, you don't forgive us for 1951? He's still angry of what happened in 1951. Okay, now, um, today's year, that was the end of the Chata. Today's year, uh, we finished that last week. 
excuse me. Oh no, I'm working around the clock. It's now. Uh, that's a different story. That the. God should give me strength, but uh, the publisher was beaten up and uh, the family told him, get the books out, and he is working around the clock. So this is for real now, and there's no doubt in my mind the first volume will be out by Rosh Hashanah, the second volume I trust by Hanukkah time. No, it's, this is the real McCoy now. Now, um, but let's forget about everything and let's be mitrakei on mashvanum. It's a very fascinating topic today, but before I get to it, I still have to say something about last time. Because the Israeli news, you see, people hear news, I hear news, I see it halachically, and it shook me up a little, and I'll tell you what I mean. Last time, you see, Rabbi Yitzchokhan Inspector was machadesh in so many different fields. Avi, how's your wife? Okay, mazal tov. We have two new fathers in the classroom. It's, it's a big thing. So I had great joy. And, uh, Avi and Matthew. So, um, you see, g- governmental letters... Can you depend upon the government? And this is Khan's trivet of epic making. And you see, a government, you've got to remember times of war, times of peace. A government letter is very important. There's a train crash in Chicago. Remember that, uh, Triva? No, How do you know about it if not from a government letter? You're not, you're not going to jump over the world and see. Uh, the war, I don't have to tell you, Lower Lane, you send the son into, into the army and you get back a letter, we regret to inform you. And this governmental concept of authority goes right down the line because, for the sake of argument, a good deal of kashrut, a good deal of kashrut. Now, you've got to understand, today, we Jews have to have everything. Understand? We're not going to be satisfied, like fiddler on the roof, to milk our own um, milk, milk our cows, take our... We have to have everything. And, and the Orthodox Jew today, we are pleasure-oriented. So I still remember in America, he's dead already, a Talmud of mine, uh, my first Talmud in BMT, Lower Lane, was a Chronicle of Racha, Michael Fould. So I was once a guest at his home, Shabbos, Kew Gardens Hills, and I remember the food, the chalent, and then they bring out a, a cheesecake for dessert. You know, they don't make it anymore, it turns out it was not healthy, but they were making a parva cheesecake with chemicals. And it was just unbelievable, the Jews had everything. Now, in order to have everything... You can't manufacture, we can't manufacture enzymes and derivatives and the, the food industry today. I was just Shabbos talking with people who have been working with the Eide Haredit. The Eide Haredit is as knowledgeable today as the OU. They have guys working for them who are, who are Eide Haredit people who know chemistry as good as any chemist in the OU. So uh, it's an amazing world today, but a good deal of that world depends upon government, your summer on governmental authorities on official letters on the fact that that a person who has a reputation to hold will not uh, desecrate his reputation. Uh, 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 you ask me, it's in the Shulchan Aruch, number one, but if it goes before the Shulchan Aruch, I don't know. But you can check it out very simply. Uh, take, uh, uh, there's a three-volume set uh, by Saba of uh, quotes in the Gemara, look it up there. If you, if you remind me of the class, I'll write it down, I'll look it up tonight and check it out. Or go to the, go to the CD-ROM and uh, you can check it out in a minute. With an Aleph, you'll check it out in a minute. So, um, so this is a basic law. Now, and we left it last week, and there's basically no machlokin among achronim, when it comes to aguna, Reb Moshe's trivet when it comes to milk, and, and right down the line, no one has come along and questioned this principle. Now, you take a look what happened in the state of Israel with Derry, with the, with the trial, with, with the sentencing, and all the memoirs now that are coming out of it, the people who were involved in the Chakirah, 
And you know, other people were reading it over the weekend and laughing. I was shaking. Because here you have a Sabim Shalit Yisrael who was taking graft while he was a Sar. Understand the implications of this? It's the first time. It's never happened before. We've had people put into jail for doing wrong things here. First time. The only other Sar there was in the early 70s, Avram Ofer, was a Marachnik, an Avoda person. He was Saha Shikun. And I remember I was uh, maybe here four or five years at the time. He blew his brains out on the highway to Yerushalayim outside Mavasarit. He pulled off the highway, pulled his brains out there, started investigating him. So you can imagine what he took. In America, he had Spiro Agnew. That's before your time. He was vice president under Nixon. Turned out the guy had taken so much graft even while he was vice president. They impeached him. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't remember it. I think he went to jail. It's unbelievable. So I was shaking a little bit, you know, that this cloud, imagine, Derry, you, you want, like that certain rabbi spoke about, you need a letter that the woman is insane, you understand? Could you imagine a guy is Sahabriyat and you offer him $50,000, listen, you need a nice house, fix up your house, it's not so nice, you're living in Hanof, you're a prasar already, you should, you know, say, give me a letter that my wife is insane. All right, uh, what doctor? We're all slightly insane. I told you, if we're not schizophrenic, we'd be very dull people. The difference is that we're not clinical. You understand what I'm saying? We all have moods. Uh, most people have moods. I, I, I have to tell you honestly, I'm, I'm very abnormal in that respect because I'm, I'm a Musa person. You don't understand that. I really grew up with Musa, the real Musa. You guys don't know what I'm talking about. Today, everyone learns a little Musa. It's a hop, lap, skip, and a jump. It's a farce. But I, I took it very seriously, and it ruined my life. I can't get angry, I can't boss people around, I can't, I can't, I could never be a dean, I could never fire anyone, I could never hurt a student. I'm a, I'm a nobody, I'm a lo yitzlachnik, a failure. Musa Baruch Hashem destroyed me. But, um, uh, wait, no, I was talking about Musa, and I got involved with a whole digression here. Uh, you know, we're all a little bit uh, schizophrenic. So, we're not clinical uh, we, we, we wake up one morning, we're in a bad mood, the next day we're happy, the afternoon we're happy, the, the, uh, towards night we get sad again. It's normal. He says, all right, the guy gives a letter, your wife suffers, you know, uh, $50,000. It's very frightening to me. So I have to tell you, with all the concept that we have developed, you know, you've got to use a little common sense. You've got to be sure there's not a chance of someone making profit off the letter. For instance, you want to marry another girl, your wife is an old battle axe of 48, and you found the young beauty of 24. I don't have to tell you in life, lower lane, I can say it publicly. Women, with all their advancement and all their liberation, among women you still have a hardcore that are just, uh, put them back in the Garden of Eden, nothing has changed. Understand what I'm saying? So, 24-year-old girl found a 48-year-old guy. I'd run away like the plague from an old geezer. She looks at it, she got a guy, he makes money, can support her, etc. Uh, she'll inherit him, he'll drop dead in a few years, and she'll inherit him. She got it made. So all the guy needs is a letter, his first wife is dead. No, with 50 grand you buy someone off. So I just want to qualify that with all my confidence in the government, there has to be common sense applied. And the Derry uh, incident, and it's a very sad story, I have to tell you, I, I, I understand, you know, here's a poor kid, 
no money, married to this poor girl and off. And the whole story, and he suddenly is thrown into the limelight and he's rubbing shoulders with people that have endless money. And believe me, I know that feeling, what, they're, what, what they describe, his overdraft. I know what it's like to live in Israel. I didn't have it easy all the years. Boy, if someone would have covered, you know, said to me, Aaron, don't worry at the end of the month if you need another thousand shekel, two thousand shekel, you have it, don't worry, don't... I can understand, you know, the eight Sahara who, uh, but it's a, you see, it's a terrible thing because that wasn't private money, that was government money. It was money Yeshiva was getting from the government and giving him kickbacks to cover his overdraft. So I just want to qualify that with all my company, I thought about this over Shabbat. I said, everyone else is reading this and laughing. And I'm reading it and I'm disturbed halachically, not only the Shochat and the actual Derry case. But beyond that, and you see, you can't depend upon any government. This is not the communist government. This is the Israeli government. What about the American government, local government? So there has to be an element of common sense. And there are no fast-clad rules. But this is why I know one thing about the OU. When a firm wants to go on the Hashkacha, they meet with the heads of the firm. The Goyim have to come into New York. I've seen it in action. And uh, one of the things they do is they evaluate the honesty of the people in front of them. Generally speaking, wasps are honorable. See, that's an amazing thing. Not Jews. Jews, if they're not Shoma Torah Mitzvah, they can laugh at the whole Kashrit. And I told you, the two biggest scandals the Yoyu had were both with Jews. That's the amazing thing. Both with Jews. But generally speaking, a guy is honorable, and he knows Kashrit and religion, and he's not out to mess up the rabbis. And you can depend upon him. But nevertheless... This remains a problem, and uh, 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 with all due respects, a lot of common sense is needed. Now, we, and, and this was Rep. Moshe too, with the plane falling into the sea, and everything we spoke about. By the way, with the, um, with the uh, Tfiat uh, Ayin, the Tzuvah the, the Rabbanon, you know what I'm saying, I'm, I'm, I'm putting together two sigyas, but with the Tzuvah the Rabbanon, Kale Itlei, the Gemara in Yavamot, and Rep. Moshe's Tshuva, I never got an answer from Rabbi Tenla. See, I faxed him. This always bothers me because if anyone faxes me, right, I have never left a letter or a fax unanswered. Even if I don't know the answer, but at least write back. You don't know the answer? At least write back to me. I don't know. No, I never got a, uh, an answer. So I dead-ended there. Now, the truth is I don't, I don't believe Rabbi Tendler would know because back in the in 1940s, he was a kid. And I can't conceive that Rabbi Moshe took him into his confidence, took him into his uh, privy and... Uh, yeah, yeah, the God. I never got an answer, so I don't know. But and it's so so sad that he didn't run in. Because from a historic point of view, he describes a Godel with so many Gedolim in the family and Gedolim in America and Gedolim in Europe. And certainly, if he would have survived, he would have contacted his family. And Rabbi Moshe doesn't write the name, and I don't know who it is. Maybe Rabbi David Feinstein would know. If anyone can give me a fax number from Rabbi David Feinstein, I'll fax him and see uh, what happens. But with Rabbi Moshe David Tandler, I faxed in at that end that I never got it back. Of course, I have to assume he received it. I faxed it to the Reed's office. The assumption is, Chazaka, if you fax to the Reed's office, he received it. I had other problems that he used to fax Heshi uh, Reichman, Heshi Shechta. So he used to plead with me afterwards, don't do it to the office. They used to give me private fax. You can imagine what goes on there. There's so much uh, dagger, cloak and dagger operation. Someone may make a copy, you know, a contraband from Rakefit, give it to Rabbi Lamb. I don't know what goes on. You know, they're so, I can't believe it. So I have their home fax numbers. If I have to fax them, I fax them at home. But, but I mean, this letter, even if they show it to everyone, the why you faculty, no one can get into trouble. You know, I, 
I, I laugh at the world. No one's going to say, you're going to be mad at me, angry at me. I'm a nice spot, whatever. I'm, a, I'm saying, I'm on record. I have a right to my opinions. But I'm not, I don't, no one owns me. But these guys are so frightened. But, but, but this, I faxed to the YU office, the REITs office. There's no reason why he didn't get it. Okay. Now, we come, uh, we, we, we come to another problem, which is a tremendous problem. And Rebbe Salchanan here was also, we may not reach him today. We only reach him next week. But today we're coming in to the whole problem of identity. And I'll introduce it very simply with two introductions, and I'll give you Makarat. We'll go into the Makarat word by word. Um, you see, how do we identify a person? How do we know we are, we are who we are? And of course, how do you know it's your wife? Just think for a moment. And of course, it's very simple. We all look differently. And we can have, you know, a person has a certain look, even even identical twins. And I have grandchildren who are identical twins. Uh, you can tell them apart. I have to admit, when they're not together, it's a little bit harder. When they're together, it's much easier for me. And it's amazing how twins react. You know, they're like cats who swallow the canary. When you, they don't correct you. If you call them uh, a share and then it's you did I'm referring to, or you did a share, they don't even correct me. They look at me, you know, like a little, uh, with a little smile, a devilish smile. You know, all right, fine, they'll do n- naughty things and I'll be angry at the wrong one. But it doesn't take long and I, and I can grab myself. Certainly, as the twins grow older, you can certainly tell them apart. Allah had come and become we who are not twins. So that's a tviyatayin. How do we know who we are? And we, of course, now a tviyatayin basically means the face. Everyone has two hands and two feet, and uh, but the face, the face is different. And that's what we refer to as a tviyatayin, as the ultimate ultimate identity. That will come to the Mishnah in Yavamat. We're already at the part surface, as it's called. However. Beyond the face, there are other factors. Height, weight. At the Matthew's Brit, his father gets up to speak and he stands in front of the cakes and he says, when you look at me, you know why I like to stand here. And when Matthew gets up to speak, he says, like father, like son. So there's weight, there's height. Uh, by the way, those of you that are slightly overweight, you're going to learn that you're going to have to lose that weight. It's... Uh, it's a lot healthier to walk around with less weight. That's one of the lessons we learn in life. And I, I owe that lesson to Reb David Miller. I've always thanked him publicly. I thank him again. I think it was 1971. He imitated me at the BMT uh, Purim affair and he put a pillow uh, into his uh, pants to imitate me. I don't have to go further. I, was weigh- I weighed 175 at that time. P.S. Within four months, I weighed 135 and my doctor said, you've gone too low and I... Over the years, Kozman, I was teaching in Michala and having aggravation. I never went above 140. When I stopped teaching, I went up a little more. But this last two years, uh, I, I'm, I'm back to 140 again, Baruch Hashem. So, um, all right, weight, uh, nose, uh, hook nose, not, uh, uh, I'll give it the different examples. We have a scar uh, on our forehead, uh, uh, a scar on our hand. Of course, if we you don't go walk, walk around X-raying people, but I've, as I've mentioned more than once, for DNN and forensic medicine, uh, it's very easy to identify with DNA today. Uh, X-rays. 
I always, you know, I can give a simple example on myself, which is not a happy example, but thank God, I once fell on, on the stairway that doesn't exist anymore. It was built special for me, Malot Rakefet. I used to walk from Michalat to here to my car, and I don't know, I fell, it was 1983, a beautiful day, a week before my daughter's wedding, and I broke, I had terrible four breaks. It was in a can- so anyway, if, if my hands would be analog, would be x-rayed, you would see that this hand is actually a little wider than the other hand, and it, you could see that it was broken and healed. And uh, that would be a, a, that would, of course, that's, that's, so this is what we call simanim. Now, I, color of hair in this room, if I look around, uh, uh, some of us have hair, some of us don't have hair already. Some of us have black hair, brunettes, some of us are redheads, among girls, I don't know, there are a lot of blondes. Uh, blondes must have more fun, but uh, I have blondes, I imagine they're real blondes, I've already taught dyed blondes. So, and you can always tell if a girl's hair is dyed, because the roots of her eye, you know, uh, let one girl remain nameless. Her father was a big Russian yeshiva, and this girl was in Michal already with dyed hair. Suffice it to say, she and Rabbi Koopman were not best of friends. Lushen Hamata. That's, that's a problem. I say this between the lines. A Rebbe has to be able to deal with everyone's idiosyncrasies. The worst thing you can do is on an 18-year-old, 19-year-old girl, come down on her because she's dyeing her hair. It's none of your damn business. She's different. She has her problems. Let her live with her hair dyed. Be gracious enough that you can accept her in that ballpark. You understand what I'm saying? She had a lot of problems. It's not an easy story because I kept her in Michalar and uh, she's not married. It's many, many years later and I always look back with a little bit of regret. I don't know what to do. Her father came to speak with me and I said, don't come down hard and I'll give her. And uh, it's many, many years later and she never, she, Baruch Hashem, she Shemer at Shabbat, but uh, didn't, didn't find herself. Not to be married from that family is, is really a problem. And a beautiful girl. I mean, uh, it hurts me until today that I maybe he should, I don't know I can't take that maybe the Haredim are right beat her slap her push her into a straitjacket but I can't agree with that I don't feel it and I don't know I always have suffered with that call of judgment that I made almost uh, was probably a generation ago so you see this is identity of people now you have a terrible problem how can you be certain with identity and you see, there have to be gradations. Now, there's nothing better than the parts of the face. You know, this is you. I know you. Don't I know you? I recognize you. Nothing is better than that. No two ways about it. That is the identity. You don't need, you don't need to puss it for it. That is the all right that you see. A lot of Torah law is common sense too. This is common sense. This is who you are. Of course, that type of identity has one drawback. It's only around for 72 hours after death if that long. All of you know, Lo Elenu, what happens to a body in rigor mortis, and uh, those of you that have gone to medical school that have deal, dealt with cadavers, uh, you, can't, you can't recognize a person. Uh, Lo Elenu with my father, uh, they have a minute here, they open up the, the, the I don't know, the Hever Kadisha here. Believe me, if, if, if you live in Israel and survive the Hever Kadisha, you'll live a long life. But they have Minhagim, they, they open up the shrouds, and I, I forget, I put sand in my father's eye, whatever they had me do, I couldn't even recognize my father. It was a terrible sight. Uh, the, the body contorts. Lower lane. 72 hours. Why? Maybe. After 72 hours, you're certainly... So you see, that part of recognition, which is such a grade A form of recognition, when a person is dead, it has very severe limitations. And it could very well be with a gunner, with all that a patsuf is worth, 
What is it worth if a body is found a week later, two weeks later, dug out of the, the water, pulled out of the water, found in a forest? Who can recognize? So you see, it's on one hand, it's the finest form of recognition, and on the other hand, it has its limitations. Yes, David? No, fingerprints remain as long as you can get a fingerprint. Fingerprints are very good. That's why with the Israeli army, when it was much more primitive as far as uh, forensic medicine, what they did was fingerprints and a teeth. teeth. See, teeth are even better than fingerprints because there's a point where you can't get fingerprints, but the teeth remain for thousands of years. Teeth in here, it's an amazing thing. It's You know, you know the teeth in here... If the climate is good, like a Matsada, they found teeth in here of people who died uh, 2,000 years ago. So that's why they do a tooth chart, because anyone who's gone to a dentist, everyone's teeth is different. Your dentist immediately can identify that those are your teeth by a, to, by a tooth chart. All he has to see is the chart of the teeth they found and compare it with the teeth as he, know, as he knew your mouth was. So that's why in the army, they still do what I believe. When I went into the day, I hit chayalti. I became a chayal. So you sit in a chair and a dental technician does a tooth chart. You take with DNN with forensic medicine. You've gone lots years beyond it. But that was at that time. Okay, so now you take simanim. Simanim are much better in this respect that the fact that your hair is red or brown or yellow doesn't change after death. The fact that you had a wart on your chin, that wart basically remains after death. The fact that you heard a birthmark under your arm, that remains. The facts, face uh, maybe one of you, I, we, I, I was uh, Shabbos, uh, we, we, with, uh, we had lunch with people, uh, so uh, interesting who people are, what they come from. So this is a family, Balei Tshuva, from the south, from Atlanta, Georgia, Rabbi Feldman's, Nefesh I mean, years ago, prominent family. So the uh, wife was telling us her father was a lightweight boxer. He won three titles, and uh, he had to stop boxing when they married. Her mother insisted she wouldn't marry him until he stopped boxing. So you see some of these boxes I had in my shul in Maplewood, had Jack, J- Jake Rabinowitz, uh, Jake Rappaport, Jake Rappaport in the 1930s and was a well-known boxer in Newark. Jake, uh, Jake Rappaport used to box with a mug and David on his trunks. It's a Kohen. It was unbelievable. You looked at him. His nose was punched in. Could never miss him. He used to be slightly groggy. He took so many punches in his life. So, all right, a guy with a punched in nose, even after he's dead a long time, you can still see the traces of it. So, you see, a seaman is not as good as a patsuf. But on the other hand, it has an advantage that a patsuf doesn't have, and that is the fact that the simon will be around long after the patsuf cannot be recognized. Okay. Then there's a third factor. And here you get involved also with common sense, and this, the halacha, is a tremendous literature on the halacha on this. Look, not all simonim are the same. And you're going to understand something. Let's give a simon. You know, you know, for the sake of argument, I'm flying to uh, Las Vegas. Someone's going to meet me who I never met before. So he says, how will I know who you are? All right, how will I know who you are? So we say, all right, uh, I look like this. I'll be wearing a kippah. He tells me he has a beard. All right. 
in Las Vegas, in the airport, if there are 10,000 people at any given moment, the chances are that a Hasidish looking beard, only a few people will have. Of course, today you will have a few because Lubavitch is already in Las Vegas, so beards are in Las Vegas. But, alright, you gotta admit, a beard is not the greatest of simanim. In this classroom right now, there are three people that I can say have beards. Alright, I would imagine these beards, of course, of a sphere, uh, maybe some are permanent beards, but, uh, three people have beards. No. A beard is not the greatest of simanim. It is a simon. Take height. Some of us are tall, short. What, what does it mean? So I'm 6'2". Person 6'2 is tall. But compared to Michael Jordan, compared to David Winfield, you're a shorty. What do you mean you're tall? Understand, it's relative. Person says he's short, he's only 5'7". All right, he's 5'7". You bring along a midget, a dwarf, suddenly 5'7 is very tall. So it, it, this is now. On the other hand, there are simanim. A person will say, "Oh, you'll know me right away. I have six fingers. I'll hold my hand up. You'll see someone holding up a hand with six fingers." There are people with six fingers that say, yeah, "Freak of birth." All right, you have to admit that someone with six fingers—that is a simon way beyond the ordinary. Understand what I'm saying? Six fingers. How many people do you know that have six fingers? Someone Lenu born with a deformed hand. All right, a deformed hand is one in, a, I don't know what the statistics are, one in 30,000. I mean, uh, I know the first thing I did when my children were born, the first thing I did, I counted the fingers, the toes. You thank God, you know, we take birth for granted. You, you know that. But let me tell you, it's a sakana. With all the advance in medicine, it's still a sakana. You don't play games. When a woman's in labor, you don't play games. You don't play games at all. So, uh, Thank God, and then a child is born, that the child should be well and healthy. We take it for granted. It's also it's also a minor miracle that the kid can scream and shout and yell and have his instincts right and know how to suck. I mean, he understands the lower lady after because in, in nature, there's a certain percentage that doesn't work out. Now, with all that being said, we find that simanim, and I'm just saying this all, all introduction so that it should be clear in your minds. Chazal and uh, basically the halachic literature, Rishonim, Achronim, the response literature, simanim fall into three categories. Simanim, what we call Muvhakim, simanim beinoniyim, and simanim gruim. Now, what does the simin Muvhak mean? The example I gave you right now, someone with six fingers is a simen mufak. Someone that has two different warts on his body in two different locations, that's absolutely one in ten thousand, that's a simen mufak. Height, that's a simen benoni. It's true, someone who's six five, one of my sons law is six five, another one is what's time six three. All right, they're pretty tall, pretty tall. What's interesting is Chaim's eldest son is already taller than me, my grandson. And he's only 14, and he's already taller than me. And, and, and my son-in-law, my eldest son-in-law, who's 6'5", his son, my grandson, Rowie, who's 14, going to be going to be 14 next month, 
Rowie is still uh, no, no, no great height. He's a shorty yet. Nothing. It's amazing how you know. And Chaim's wife, my daughter, who's married to Chaim, is is my shortest of all my daughters. And my daughter, who's married to my son, who's son who's six five, is very tall for women at that period. Today, I teach girls. Uh, some of them even taller than I am. I'm amazed. Six foot, six one. It's like I don't know. We eat better. We're healthier. The women. Shoot up in my days, a woman above five six was like considered an Amazon. Five seven already was tall. But you have to admit, even if my son-in-law is six five, which is tall, that's a simon benoni. You understand? Then what would be a simon garua? You understand? Because there, there are plenty of people six five. It's it's not one in ten thousand. It is for us in this room. There's no one here six five, and and it is. My son has problems. Certain places he he has to bend over because he you walk through an airplane. I don't know whether someone six five can get through with ease. You have to bend over at times to 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 to, to get through. Uh, other places you have to bend over. So six five six five is already it's a simon benoni. But then you have a simon guru. What's a simon guru? All right, a redhead. Good example. A redhead. Fine. Redheads are not the majority for sure. Redheads, for whatever the reasons are, they're less redheads than, than brunettes and less redheads than blondes. And uh, redheads, I can tell you from my experience in teaching, I've never yet had a decent-sized class of ladies, of women, without a redhead in the class. On the other hand, it's never been more than one or two in any given class. So I can't say it's one in a thousand, one in a hundred... But it certainly is no more than one in forty, one in thirty. It's a simon guru. It's it's a simon, but there are plenty of redheads out there. What do you say, Josh? There's no question. Listen, listen. There's no question that this we'll see that that's what they're talking about. It doesn't mean that they didn't analyze it. They didn't have access to what we have access today. Today, on on. Abby, do me a favor. Close the door. Those kids out there are gonna. No, you're absolutely right. Today, what we have access today to all the research and science, probably on every issue I have raised, we can find mathematical uh, uh, tables. But there's no question it depends upon mathematical proportions, a certain feeling of the reality of life. We'll see it in, in a few minutes. You're absolutely right. Now, so let me reiterate so far what I've said today. I'm taking a very difficult sugya, I'm making it crystal clear for you. This is what a good Rebbe is supposed to, I have to tell you. Those of you that are going to teach Torah, and it's the future of our generation depends upon the teaching of Torah. So, uh, it's very important. You have to have that ability to analyze, to introduce. This was the Rebbe's greatness. The Rebbe is a Rebbe. He could take the most difficult sugya. He made it so clear. That was his great, not everyone has that gift in teaching. You understand? They're, they're people who are giants of Torah. But the minute they begin, the audience is lost. I, I told you, I once had with Mechirat comments, I'll never forget, I was in the rap in it. And I told you, Rabbi Fraim, Yalis, you got, there were people in the all of Shas, I used to, I told you, they all, afterwards they all became Lubavitchers. All these, all these great, he was the Rabbi of Philadelphia, Rabbi Yalis had a shtibble, a man of such knowledge, such great, accomplished nothing over the years, very little, you don't even know the name, right? Yeah. Yeah, he's Rabbi Feldblum's father-in-law, Rabbi Feldblum's first wife who was killed, yeah, first wife who was killed by the drag racing in front of YU, by the Puerto Ricans, Lainu. that was his daughter. It's a tragedy what Rabbi Feldblum, what trust that man paid, what, what happened to the children afterwards, God, you should have to my students. 
Ah, not pretty good. So I once went to Rav Yalas. I was a young rabbi in Philadelphia. And I have to do Mechir at Chametz. And I wanted to understand what's going on. So I went to Rav Yalas. He started talking and, and shitat and pilpa. I didn't stand one word. Sat with him for now. I walked out. I was so confused. So I called Rabbi Yosef Weiss. I said, Rabbi, I'm coming into New York. I'd like to speak with you about Mechir at Chametz. He sat me down in a half hour. I was an expert until today. I can do I don't do it for years already, but I can do a Mechir at Chametz with every... Perfect. You understand? With all... Because, you know, with Allah Kinyonim, to be sure, to take an Allah He was so clear, Rabbi Weiss. He explained it to me so beautifully. I don't want to have to pull him. I want to have clarity first. Then I can go in to the sources. So you see, Simonim, when you approach it, if you don't have the background, you like you feel lost in it. But when you go step by step, Patsuf is the best. That's not a simon. That's common sense. I know who you are. I say, hello, Matthew. So you're going to say, how do you know I'm Matthew? I know you're Matthew because this is what you look like the day you came into my class. You still look that way. Chazaka, this is Matthew. This is Ilana. It's the Oraita. It's a common sense. This is you. God God created us. We look, if not, if imagine if we all look the same, they could never, <laughs> you wouldn't know who your wife is. Every woman looks alike. What kind of world would it be? What kind of, well, you could never get married. There could never be a prohibition against adultery. You understand? As is, there's a problem two sisters like the Gemara talks about. That's parts of. But parts of has the tremendous disadvantage. The end of 72 hours, lower lane, the body is gone. The simonim are gone. The Depatsif is gone, I should say. I, it's sad, it's sad. Believe me, I know what I'm talking about. I've been on battlefields, I know what I'm talking about. Then you have Simonim. Simonim have the disadvantage that, look, it's not as good as the Patsuf. A hooked nose. Many people have hooked noses. But as I told you more than once, anyone says you have a hooked nose and makes fun of me, I said, fine, I have the same noses. My Rebbe had, as Rabbi Aaron Cutler had, this is the nose of Gedoli Yisrael. Halavai, I should live up to my nose. No, at that point, no one can, can, they can't even dig me on it. But, you have to admit, a hook nose, Jews run hook noses, one out of ten, one out of fifteen, I don't know. So on one hand, the hook nose, and a hook nose, there's a good simon, and it's a simon that remains even after death, because the bone structure is such. Color of your hair, there's so many different simon and warts, Injuries. So therefore, Simonim have the advantage that they remain long after death. The disadvantage is that how good are Simonim? It's not a patsof. It's not that unique. A guy is 6'5", 200 pounds. In, 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 in the vicinity of Machon Lev. And where we're sitting, there must be 10 fellas that are 6'5", and weigh 200 or 225 pounds. You understand? So it's, of course... It's unique, but it's not unique. A guy is 5'3", and he weighs 150 pounds. Okay. In our vicinity, must be 10 fellas like that, out of, out of a few hundred. So, Simon and Divide, we have Muvhakim, which I don't have to tell you, that's rare. When you tell me someone is uh, 6'10", and weighs 300 pounds, that already is a Simon Muvhak. When you tell me someone has two different warts and, and a broken hand and this type of bone structure, six fingers, simon mufak. Then you have simon and bainoniyim. Bainoniyim and Josh is right. There has to be a certain feeling for statistics here. Bainoniyim, this could, this could be height, weight, 
warts, birthmarks. Then you have Simanim Gruim, tall, short. I mean, height, I mean, really, uh, David Winfield. Uh, but but Simanim Gruim, color of the hair, color of the eyes. Uh, he wears glasses, no, no big deal, so he wears glasses. All right, but it could be if you find on the body the glasses with a glass case that you knew was his glass case, you understand what I'm saying? This makes it already a lot stronger. You understand? But this is Simonim Gruim. Now, what value does Simonim have? We'll talk about it. Obviously, common sense tells you that a Simon Mufak is worth a lot more than a Simon Benoni. And a Simon Benoni, vis-a-vis a Simon Garua, a Simon Benoni is at least something that you can hang your hat on. A Simon Garua, perhaps, is worthless, meaningless. So what? So, you find the body with red hair. That day, who knows how many people disappeared who had red hair. Okay? Yeah, yes, yes, then. Right, well, this also falls into. Now, you see, obviously, what Danny just said is very important. Clothes, a wallet. There's only one problem here. These would be excellent simonim. The problem is, are we hoshish for she'ela? That's the problem. And then you'll see, you'll see the soul. That's the problem. You see, now, this is interesting. Life has changed. In my days in YU, students lent things to each other. you got to remember, it was a different era. We today are very wealthy, you understand? We, we don't realize how wealthy we are. The Rub would speak about, I have in my book where the Rub spoke about his youth in Poland and how poor they were compared to life in Boston in the 50s. I remember in my days and why you guys would borrow shirts one from the other in the dormitory. Remember, a guy had a date. Lend me a white shirt. Of course you lent it to him. Today, you don't borrow shirts from each other. Am I right or wrong? Gener- generally not. You understand? It's, it's, it's a problem. So you see, many things we do lend. A shirt, a belt, a tie. I borrow ties until today. If I'm caught the short someplace in America and I, if they feel I need a tie for the event, so I tell the person I'm staying with, lend me a tie. All right. Lately, I travel with two ties. and It's Nishkefelech. I apologize to you because the picture and uh, they, David uh, walked me to my car this morning uh, when I was here much earlier. So David says he saw the first edition of Bernard Revel and he didn't recognize the picture. He didn't have David, that Delta, that picture was taken 31 years ago. What do you want out of him? He was taken 68, I believe. So, uh, of course, he didn't recognize the picture. However, he says he had a suit on, a tie. He didn't recognize that either. Well, I was an American rabbi at the time. But I have to apologize to you that on my book on the Rav, you'll see my picture with a, with a tie. Yeah, you know, the picture that appeared in Jerusalem Post, that's the picture. I showed you, so I apologize. I feel bad, but they, everyone said to me, that picture was taken. I'll tell you, it was sitting around the table. Yankel Elman, Bernie Sharpstein, myself, Roy Albert, my wife, and Joy Albert. And uh, Roy was snapping away, said, forget I'm there, I'm, I'm going to snap away, and I'll pick out a good picture. And they all said before, I wanted to take it without a tie. You know, look like I look. But the psak was that for the sale of the book, I shouldn't look like a backward tribesman. Uh, I need a jacket and a tie. That was Bernie Schofstein's psak. No, Yankel Elman is sitting there. He concurred. 
when, when the Gedolei Hadassah needed to tie in a jacket to help the sale of the books and they're putting in, remember, I only put in 13 years of my life. They, they're putting in a, you know, a few of tens and tens of thousands of dollars. So I gotta do what the Balabas says. So I apologize that in my, unlike the picture in Back of Silver and the second edition of Revel where I appear as a Jew, in the book on the Rav, I appear as a member of the universal race, not the Jewish race. So, you see, Hashim L'Shayla is a big problem. But then there are certain things we wouldn't lend out. For instance, would I lend you my passport? Doesn't make sense. Not in our circles, correct. Doesn't make sense. Doesn't make sense. Why should I lend you my passport? Would I lend you my wallet where I have my identity in it? You understand? It's very interesting. There, perhaps, lo hashinim l'shela. See, money, what about if you know that in my wallet there were 200 uh, shekel? And you find the wallet with 200 shekel on the person, on the body they fish out of, uh, that they fish out of the water. So you see, it's interesting. Which way do you look at it? Do you look at it, look, the wallet has identity, or money you lend. Maybe the guy gave his wallet by mistake. He was generous. Choshish l'ganeva, I never yet saw. Choshish l'she'ela. You're right, there has to be a lot of common sense. In, in, in this type of psaac, there has to be a good sense of, uh, I would say, police investigation. There has to be a lot of common sense. You're absolutely right. If you read, if you read about how the police investigated Derry, the top hoker in Yudia, there's a whole article, it's worth reading. Gilboa, the man was maligned and the politicians tried to fire him. And, and, and he, and he, you know, it's amazing. I give you one little example of common sense. He says they found in the bank records, and you're going back nine years, they found in the bank records that exactly 10.03, one Thursday morning, 5,000 shekel were taken out of the account of Leif Banim Yeshiva. At 10.06, at a different teller, 5,000 shekel in cash, took it up in cash, and the bank has records of it. And the breakdown, in other words, they took out 5,000 shekel, let's say 5,100 uh, shekel. Is 50, am I right? It would be uh, 5,000 shekel? Yeah, am I right? Yeah. And, and three minutes later, it's deposited in Derry's account at a different teller, but again, 50 times 100 shekel into his account. You understand? So it's common sense that they took it out here to run it on. Who would dream that years later the police could dig this up? Well, I admit, there has to be a lot of common sense. But, are we? Aren't we? You'll see in the response literature. Now, let me say one more word by way of introduction. You know where we find the discussion in Chazal on this topic? The main discussion is by Aveda. Hashavat Aveda. How do you return an Aveda? An Aveda has nothing to do with Pratsuf. It only has to do with Simanim. And when you get involved with Ashavat Aveda, you get involved with a whole Hakira. Of course, we have to return an Aveda. So, all of you learned Bab Metziah. How's the So, you know, I found dollars in this day, so someone comes along and he gives a simon, how many dollars did you lose? 
I lost $83. Could you break down what they were? Well, I believe there were three twenty bills, a $10 bill, a $5 bill, singles. So, of course, you return it. It's given simonim. That's what we learned about. But tell me, is that the writer or the Rabbanan? See, Hashavat Aveda, you can look at it as one way. It's the writer. Someone lost something, you have to return it. This is the halacha. The Torah speaks about it. And there's no other way to return it other than simonim. And therefore, a simon by Aveda is the orator. Or no. You can look at it a different way. Someone lost something, you have to return it. And the truth of the matter is, simonim perhaps are not that powerful. Simonim are only uh, circumstantial evidence. Let's put it that way. But mitnei darke shalom or a takana de Rabbanan, in other words, how can you bring about a Shavad Aveda? That's the only way you're going to do it, is by accepting Simanim. So that it's not that medial right that the Simon is so powerful, but it's just that on a real basis, this is the only way you can return an Avoda. And in order for, for people to live, Bishalom Bishalva, so the rabbis instituted simanim and accepted and this is Hashavad Aveda and this is the way you have to do it. Beautiful. L'maynafkimin, it's very simple. If you say that simanim atakifim diorayta, then it means a simon is strong. The stronger a simon is by Aveda, the stronger it is by Akuna. Remember, Hashavad Aveda is a lot less than than, uh, than being mater and aguna. What can be wrong? A guy says he lost a thousand dollars and he lied to you. It wasn't his thousand dollars and you found a thousand dollars. He gave him a thousand dollars. What have you done? So you've given away a thousand dollars that wasn't yours to begin with. So you've given away stucker. So the guy took money that doesn't belong to him. He didn't, he didn't create havoc with the halachic system. But if you're mater and aguna on the basis of simanim and chasva chalila, you are wrong. The woman is an adulteress. The kids are mamzerim. The world is shaking. So you see, if a simon by Aveda is the oraita, then it can be strong by aguna. If a simon by Aveda, let's say, is only perhaps a takonet chachomim, because there's basically no other way to be Mekayim HaShavet Aveda, then it's not that strong by Aguna. So you see, it could very well be Ha for Ha Talia. One, one depends upon the other. Okay, so this is what I want to say by way of introduction. In the Gemara per se, there is practically no discussion of all of Simonim in relation to an Aguna. Very, very little. Right at the end of Yavamat, uh, we had a little bit of the Mishnah, you know, with the Maklo and the, 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 the Gayesha innkeeper, the women, the, the Shifcha, not even Jewish, the man who died, the Sefer Torah, the books he was carrying, the Makhel, perhaps there is a little discussion Parts of is discussed in, in Yavamat. Very little discussion by Simanam. When you go into the response of literature, it expands. It's like a funnel. The beginning is very narrow. But as you move through the response of literature, there must be thousands upon 
thousands of questions, mainly evolving around Simanim. Because when all is said and done, generally speaking, when a man is missing, you don't discover the body right away. Generally speaking, if you discover the body right away, it doesn't even reach the response to literature. It's Zukri Beiravu. If, God forbid, there's a car accident, you have a body. Even if the body is mangled and not identified right away. But generally speaking, in most cases where the husband is killed within a day or two days, you know you have something. It, it never even reaches the response to literature. But what becomes the overwhelming question when people, weeks later, you find the body? Parts of it's gone. That type of identity is impossible. And what do you have? Simanim. The height, the weight, the warts, the birthmarks, the operations, the clothes he was wearing, the wallet, the abacomphus, the Bekashif. It's Jewish. Unique Jewish clothes. I mean, it's unbelievable what comes up in the response literature. I haven't found it yet, but I can give you a simple example that, at least in theory, could be an unbelievable question. A chassid is missing. The body is found weeks later, and he's a belza chassid. And you find on him a gerish trimal. You understand? Even there, could you imagine a question like that? Weeks later. You know what I'm talking about. The strimals are very different. The bells of strimal compared to the garisputic, you're dealing with two different uh, uh, individuals. As far as the strimal goes, you can tell them a mile apart from a mile away. And could you imagine on Cholomayed, on Cholomayed, Cholomayed, all that, that's what's beautiful about Yerushalayim. I owe your grandson's zeal, you're forbidden. It's, it's an amazing thing. With all the machlok that we have in Psak, between the Ashkenazim, the Svadim, the Tvakim, the Hasidim, the Mukubalim, the anti-Mukubalim, but when it comes to Cholomayed, nobody but nobody puts on Tefillin. You're aware of that. In Eretz Yisrael, nobody puts on Tefillin. And I'll tell you, you feel the... And you know, it's a, you know what the machlok is, right? I don't have to tell you, at your age, Cholomayed, what, what is the Pshat Cholomayed? Is it Kedushat Yontif with the Heta Malacha? Or is it really, you may hold with a certain amount of Kedusha, like the Shchidish, because you bring a cup and Musaf. No one in their right mind ever said, you don't put on Tefillin. On Shchidish, we all put on Tefillin last Friday, right or wrong. We take it off from Musaf, because Musaf is the Kedushat Tayom of the carbon Musaf. So if you view Cholomoye that it's like Rosh Chodesh, you certainly have to put on Tefillin. If you view Cholomoye that it's Yontiv with a Heta Malacha that's water, then the usual Heta Malacha of Yontiv, it's not just L'Tzarech Ochel Nefesh, but it's wider, then you're not allowed to put on Tefillin. Tefillin is Pogeya, it's Pogeim, the Kedushatim, you follow me? It's the basic understanding of why, whether or not you have to put on Tefillin, so in Eretz Yisrael, when you see the Hasidim with their strimals and Cholomayed, you feel the Kedusha Tayyam. I always tell my grandchildren that in America, you always put on Tefillin Cholomayed. Always put on. Put on, you know, like the Rav taught us without a bracha, make a Tanai, I don't have to tell you. if it, well, You know what I'm talking about. But in Eretz Yisrael, I couldn't put on Tefillin. I'm not allowed. I'm enjoying. Lo go to do. No one puts on Tefillin. But I can feel the difference. You feel the Kedusha on the streets. So imagine, Cholomayed, 
I'm making up a detective story. A chassid disappears. So I mean, this is a beautiful and interesting case. Months later, you find the body. Everything is there, except it's the wrong shtreimel. You understand what I'm saying? Then you have to get involved in detective work. It could be that this Belsa Chassid, he, he, he Strimel got dirty, he didn't want to wear it, he had to get a friend, get a friend lent the machine. You know what I'm saying? But it's an amazing question. What can go on with, with Simanim? And it all goes back to Aveda. How powerful is the Simon by Aveda? If it's a deal writer, then it lifts the whole concept by Aguna, although Aguna is infinitely more difficult halachically. If it's only the Rabbanimus, if to speak by Hashavat Aveda, then it weakens the whole concept. Now, where do we find the sources? Shulchan Aruch Hashem Mishpat, Reish Samach Zayin, Sif Dalet. And here the the Machaber, the Machaber Paskins, and you're all, it's all based upon Bab Metziah, Keich, Skeitzet Machrez, how are you machrez? And I told you, I once found money. I'll never forget. It was one of the worst things in my life. I found a, a roll of dollars outside the mikvah. Was it ever Rosh Hashanah? I walked out of the mikvah, Rehov Ari. I, I forgot what it was. Twenty To me, it was a fortune of money in the 1970s. I, I found $22, $20. I forget already what it was. I had such aggravation out of that money. I put up signs, I put there, I never found anyone to claim it, you know. But uh, I remember the mikvah man laughing, he said, nah, some American probably lost it, he's, you know, tourist, he's back in America, no one's going to claim it. I said, no, yeah, I, live, I must put up the sign. Ketzach machriz, in ot machriz, misha vadlo matbeya. Okay, you don't say the amount. Vechein machriz, misha vadlo ksut, o behema, o shtarat. It's a beautiful halacha. Beautiful the way the Mechaber phrases it. Don't, you know, a person finds something. Don't go around with that feeling, finders, keepers, losers, weepers. Don't think the person coming to claim is a faker. Because look what the halacha says. Ad she yitain simanim mufhakim. That's to give simanim mufhakim. And if the person tells you, I lost $23 outside the mikvah, Erev Rosh Hashanah, that is simanim mufhak. And you have to return it to him. However, and, and two concepts in the next halacha, halacha hey. Bo balavei dominatan simanim mufhakim. Ein marzirin. You see, if you come along and say, look, I lost money. I don't exactly remember the sum. It was, it, you know, I didn't count it. It was my wallet. Well, you don't have to give it back to him. What's he telling you? There's no simen mufak. So you see right away that by Aveda, there's a simen mufak, a simen shayna mufak. A simen mufak is fabulous. A simen shayna mufak is worthless. And you don't have to give it back at all. Find this keepers, losers, weepers. Then the halacha deals with what Daniel said. And this is something that is axiomatic to the whole halacha when you're dealing with Hoshin Mishpat on this level or dealing with Agunah. It's very simple. What does it mean? 
you have, you have a Ramai. A person is a Ramai. A faker. A phony. We all know people like that. Lower Leno. Now he comes along, he gives Simanim of Hakam. It's not enough. See, with a Ramai, a Choshesh, the guy is a faker, a phony. He found out somehow. He's guessing. He can read your mind. He went to Mumakubal. The Mumakubal told him it was $23. Whatever it was. It can be. If he's a faker, you don't have to give it back. And two, see, this Shimanam are not enough. He has to be proof that he had a wallet with $23, that it was lost, that he cried about it right after he came out of the mikvah. He was there at that time. You need a lot more than the Simon Mufak. You understand? So you see, all this translates, if this is what you say, by Hashavat Aveda, Al Achat Kama Ben Kalvachoma, do you say this? Now, yeah. No, no, no. You're giving him a gift. That's uh, There's a problem if someone else comes along who really claims it, then you have to go back to the Ramoy and have him give it to the other person, Avada. But if you want to give it, you know, if you feel, look, no one else claims that this is the only one, and even though he's a faker, maybe here he's telling the truth, he did tell the Simonim, you can give it to him. You understand? But if, the other, if someone else will come along and claim it, then you have to go back. By the way, I, I want to tell you, I heard the tape from Afpanis. But he doesn't deal with why you. I mean, he only deals with the concept that a person should live near a Makam Torah that to hold by learning. All right, that this is axiom. Excuse me? No, no. I heard the tape from start to finish. I sent it back to some of my Talmud in America with Talmud Merav Parnas. But, uh, I mean, he doesn't deal with why you. You understand what I'm saying? The problems of why you, he doesn't deal with there. What he says is axiomatic. Baruch Hashem. This is Eretz Yisrael. Eretz Yisrael... Uh, Listen, anyone in the secular world is prone to that problem. It's not only why you, a Torah Vadas boy who becomes a lawyer has the same problem too. I understand it's a unit, but he's absolutely right. It's axiomatic. Uh, I'm a Litvak. You don't have to convince me. But, you know, Hasidim have a slightly different approach. I have, uh, I have a Litvish approach 1,000%. Okay, now, the Yerach HaShulchan. Let me just say a few words about the Yerach HaShulchan. I've said this throughout my years of teaching. I say it again. The Yerach, how many of you are familiar with the Yerach HaShulchan? Rabbi Chir Michal Epstein was the Nevadic Rav. He succeeded, as I told you, Rabbi Yitzchokhanan. Many people said about the Erech HaShulchan, he was the last great Rav that we had in uh, Eastern Europe. Can anyone explain what that means? You see, with the dawn of the, the Erech HaShulchan lived into the 20th century. Let me explain it to you. And it's very important for you to understand. Aye, with the dawn of the 20th century, the whole rabbinate changed. It was a gradual shift, but the shift became very pronounced. In the Litvisha world, in the Litvisha world, the Rashi Yeshiva became the foremost Torah authority. And this has gone on until today. The more famous and the more central and the more focal that Rashi Yeshiva became, the less importance was attached to the Rabbanim out in the cities. 
in the Hasidic world, by the dawn of the 20th century, the whole world centered around the Rebbe, around the court. There was a tremendous onslaught of Haskalah and enlightenment and secular Zionism, even in the Hasidic world, you understand. And people found their sustenance from the Rebbe and everything that centered around the Rebbe. And even the Shtat Rabbanim, you were caught in a, in a, I would say, a confluence between the authority that emanated from the Rebbe's court and the authority of the local Rav. It was never the same again. The Shtat Rav never achieved that focal prominence, even in the Hasidic world. I mean, even if you know Labavitch, if I can give you a classic example, Labavitch had Poskim, had Rashi Yeshiva, but their entire lifestyle, their entire gestalt, centered around the Rebbe. It was a different concept. A different concept. You understand? It's, diff- it's an amazing thing. The Yorach HaShulchan, I can give examples. I don't want, I, I, if you want a simple example, there's an example brought down in, in, in the volume on the Hasidim that you gave me. It's a beautiful example, Rabbi Mentlik, with the Shashiv and Lubavitch. Right? These were Gedoli Israel. So, uh, uh, a, a kid... A kid, uh, I forget the exact story, but the kid wanted to know, he asked the Rebbe, which, which uh, uh, Chabad Yeshiva should I go to? And there was the big Rabbi Mentlik's Yeshiva in Eastern Parkway, or there was a Chabad Kol, I think, in Montreal at the time, may still be. So the kid comes to Rabbi, and the Rebbe says to him, you should ask Rabbi Mentlik whether or not, where you should go, whether or not you should go to Montreal. So the kid comes to Rabbi Mentlik and says, the Rebbe sent me to you to ask the Rosh Yeshiva where I should go. So Rabbi Mentlik says, then what did the Rebbe say to you exactly? Well, he asked me to ask you whether I should go here or should I go to Montreal. And Rabbi Mentlik says, did he mention my Yeshiva? No, he only said Montreal. Go to Montreal. Rabbi Mentlik immediately asked, it's a different way. See, the same thing with Psak. I can see where a kid came to the Rebbe and said, should I observe one day or two days, I'm going to Eretz Yisrael. So the, so the Rebbe would say to the kid, I'm not a posaic, but ask Rabbi Mentlik or someone else who was Rabbi Pekoski, these were the postkim in Chabad, ask Rabbi Pekoski whether or not you should observe one day only when you're near your Israel. So the kid comes to Rabbi Pekoski and says, what did the Rebbe tell you to ask? Should I observe one day? Did the Rebbe mention two days to you? No, observe one day. You understand what I'm saying? It's a tire of thought what I just said. You understand the whole, it's a, it's a deep thought, but you have to understand the whole autonomy shifted gears, both in the literature world, both in the Hasidic world. And this is a development that it went, not only in America. People think it only began in America. It's not so. It already was in Europe. The Yotzim in the cloud was Rebchaim Moise He was the last, perhaps, but even the Arach HaShuch, they say, was the last shtat rav that his whole life was psak. And all his endeavors were psak. Everything centered on psak. You'll see in my book, Rebbe, with, 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 with the Rav, where the Rav relates the story with Rebbe Meir Berlin, with, with Rebbe Chaim Brisco, with the Arach HaShulchan. You'll see what I'm telling you before you rise. You understand what I'm saying? And this is reflected in the Arach HaShulchan. That is such a fine safer. The way he develops the ideas, there's such clarity you see a shtut rav that dealt with problems, explained problems, had a paskin. There's such 
clarity. Yes, Danny, what did you want to ask you? No, no, Abchaim Meisa was the one exception, but even Abchaim Meisa, you cannot say he was, he was like the Archa Shulchan. He already was a pulsate, but he was always a respondent, but he's overwhelmed with a million and one different problems. This is what the Vizkochanin cried. Too bad, I left Nevadic. If I had remained in Nevadic, I could have bought its firm like the Archa Shulchan. The Archa you see, this was a shtut, Rav. Listen, I'm not the only one to say this. I have to tell you that I said it intuitively tens of years ago. I saw Rav Yosef Elio Hinkin says it. That he says when it comes to a machlokes between the between the Mishnah Vru and the Aruch Hashulchan, you have to follow the Aruch Hashulchan. And he says why? He says the Aruch Hashulchan. This was a rub. This was a posek. This was the last, and that's what makes the Aruch Hashulchan such a magnificent sefer. I always find when I have a concept in the Shulchan Aruch that I have trouble. I want to understand where he got it from. I always go to the Aruch Hashulchan first. I, I, I admit I look at the base Yosef if I look at the Aruch Hashulchan. Because I always feel from the Aruch HaShulchan, I can get clarity, development of ideas. You understand what I'm saying? And I've never been disappointed. It's a magnificent safer. Yes, David. No, the Mishnah Brewer, the Mishnah Brewer was, look, the Mishnah Brewer prominence. I remember when the Rav, you mentioned the Mishnah Brewer to the Rav, the, the earth would shake, you understand? When the Rav differed with the Mishnah Brewer, he differed. But see, the Mishnah Brewer was, was a folk hero. He was the greatest folk hero the Jewish people had. You understand? He was revered by everybody. So by nature of being the Chafetz Chaim, his Sefer achieved the prominence it did. But he's not a posek in the sense that the Shulchan, the Mishnah Brewer, counts Achronim, Pudshita, you know what I'm saying? The design, Lachatrila, Bidiyevet, he counts up, he makes decisions. The Rachashul was a posek. It's a difference. He, he, he sometimes goes against the trend. He goes against the majority. But he goes with his mind. The Rachashulchan was, was, was a posek, was a rav, was a shtatra. The Mishnah Brewer was a great tzaddik, a great lamdan, a great tzaddik. He put together, she understand, he counts Achronim, he makes decisions, a different approach altogether. But the, the Mishnah Brewer's prominence is not only the Mishnah Brewer, it's, it's the individual. You understand what I'm saying to you? He was, I use the word, a folk hero. There wasn't the Jew that didn't stand in awe of the Chafetz Chaim. It's not the Mishnah, it's the Chafetz Chaim. Who cannot through the Chafetz Chaim. After the Chavetz Chaim made him who he was, then everyone accepted the Mishnah Brewer. But the Rechashulchan was a shtat rav, was a posek. There's a difference. He may be the last example of what a rav was like throughout the long, the long millennium from the time of Rishonim until, until the dawn of the 20th century. And by the way, let me make something clear. Avi, this is not a value judgment. You understand? I'm not telling you which is better. I'm, I'm just calling your attention to the historical facts. But nowadays, we don't have Shtat Rabbanim anymore. Even in Israel, the Rabbanim, you understand, the Shtat Rabbanim, the chief rabbinate, this, the Rashi Yeshiva, the Rabbanim wield the power. Even in Israel. And in Israel, we have Rabbanim, who know how to paskin, who who know psak, but they don't have the power. Do you take the Shmir Shabbat Gehilchata, which I claim is the, one of the finest Sfarim written, contemporary, I got a call from America, a of mine from the Kolel, a few years ago, it's Masada Kedushan at his wedding. So he, to- he lives in a small apartment. So he's in a small apartment. He's in a community, and uh, he can't. He explained to me he has to use an Israeli hot plate. A blech makes the apartment too hot. 
So he finally got a hot plate in America. He said, you can't get one. I didn't, I didn't know this. I don't know. I don't use, I use a black. I'm an American, Tayman Aliyah. All the Israelis use hot plates. I use a black. From the day I went crazy to get, buy a black back in 1969. Uh, for, I remember for Pesach, for all year I had a black. And, and I used the same black with Allah Khumr is a black that covers over with the gad. I can't change. All my kids have hot plates. I don't even know what a hot plate is, but these hot things. Are. So yeah, I told him, so they can put the, uh, and all that. I said, what are you asking me questions? Take the Shmir Shabbos Gilchatan. Take a look in. You get all your answers. You understand that? You ask me about a black. I'm a big Chacham. Because they know what the rough parts are. This one, you know, the whole question of Marzia. With a, with a hot plate, it's a lot easier. With a time clock, with solids. So I, he started all, he said, oh, you're right. I said, what are you asking me that question? You don't have Shmir Shabbos Gilchatan. He has it all lined out for you. Aleph, Aleph, Bet, Bet. But with all the respects to Rabbi Norworth, who heard of him? Who goes to him? You understand? A few of us that value Psak. But the Rashi Yeshiva, the Hasidic Rabbeim, they control the world today. It's in Israel and to a lesser degree in the United States. In America, no one really controls the world because the individual is so free. Freedom is such a part. He's so engulfed in the Western world. Even in the Hasidic world, we're all Hasidim and Litvakim on one foot. If you saw the movie, uh, which I loved, that movie, A People Apart, who lent it to me? Who lent it to me? Someone from the caller? I, uh, someone lent it to me. Oh, no, no, no. Normie Amsel lent it to me. I loved that movie. But even there, you see that Baba Bachasid, he's so lovable, that Horowitz fellow, such a chain, such a ziskite. But even there, he says, believe me, I'm a YU person. Thank God, my life is... He says, all week, I'm so lost and so involved in business. He says, I need the Shabbos with the Rebbe to resuscitate myself. You understand what I'm saying? So in America, we're all over here in Israel. Unfortunately, I say unfortunately, we live with Torah every minute. We suffer, we aggravate. I mean, the dairy, I mean, whatever. When all is said and done, yesterday on Shabbos, they, they, they held a meeting in Tel Aviv. They busted all the Russians. The Chavre Knesset yesterday cursed out the religious parties. They want a constitution here. They want to get the Misrat Aprim. They want going to be welcomed as Jews. If you hear the news, it breaks your heart. You want to rip Kriya right after Shabbos. I'm not wealthy enough to have a television. Israel. I told you that more than once. When I watch television, I have to watch it in my birthday suit. But in America, Baruch Hashem, all week, you can be a guy, and Shabbos, you put on your stream and you go to the Rebbe. I tell you, Hasidus, like the Rev used to say, in turn, I have the Rev on tape, I wish I could be a chassid, I wish I would have a Rev. It's a beautiful life, but what can I do? I'm a Litvak. Yes, yes, Danny. Um, L- let me roll here, I want to go so further. In terms of this dichotomy, you had the Rev and then you had the Shtag Rav. Hungary also, or wasn't there more of a uh, I'll tell you, Hungary... Sorry. Danny knows, and he's right. Hungary, there was a cross between Hasidus and the Shtatrav. And if you'll take the Satma Rebbe, he, Taka, was a Rav. He was a Posek. But Hasidus corrupted even Hungarian Jewry. The Vaharaya, look who Satma Rebbe is today. And the same with all due respects. If a Rebbe, you know, I was the Rav of the city. I leave, I'm gone. I didn't leave children that are on my level. So you go to a different family. Understand what I'm saying? In Hungary today, if you're not from the family, you can't rise. So although what you're saying is partially true, they too 
went the way of the 20th century. And the Satma Rebbe is a sterling example. Okay? Now take the Kloisenberger. I don't know who these kids are. But you know what's beautiful? They get along. And they're so smart. One is the Rebbe of Kloisenberg in, in Jersey City. Or Muncie. And one is in Netanya. And when they come together, they sit together, the Israeli press, the two brothers, you know, it's a big thing that two Hasidic Rebbeim get along. When the Vishnitzer finally spoke to his son-in-law, the Belzer, after 20 years that they spat at each other, it was the front page of Marev. The Vishnitzer shook hands with the Belzer. Understand? It's unbelievable. What do you want out of me? I love all my sons. I love them. I kiss them. I get along with them. I tell you, even with Chaim, I said, Chaim... These I saw he was going bananas. I could see the look. You know, he couldn't say anything. His father-in-law, after all, I do have the scud of so much habatsa Torah, so he couldn't, couldn't. I said, let me bounce some of the ideas off you. Abba, he said, wow. Couldn't believe it. Gentlemen, next Monday is the ultimate shear on how to teach Torah. For those of you that are moving into the Western world, Israel as well, the eulogy of Joe DiMaggio. Back here. But don't, don't come late. Come early and help me set up the room properly if we'll have guests here. And I'm, and I'm not, I'm knocking out the whole morning. I said, for once in my life, I'm going to give a shear without time pressure. At first I thought I'd give four. I saw I had too much. For once in my life, I'm giving a shear without any time pressure on me. Back here. Excuse me? I expect a few outsiders. I told a few of my friends. You understand? You need, the problem is, you need, Understanding of the Muslim. Oh, I don't, I don't know. I had to give up already. There was too much pressure on me and I didn't want to wait any longer because, I don't know, I have no idea. I faxed America. They, they have different cheshbonot. It's younger kids. I don't know if they'll understand me even, so let it be. But uh, you need, you, you too, what's required is a good knowledge of the intricacies of the Muslim movement. You have to know Dove Cats is five volumes by heart. And you have to know inside baseball. It's not just enough, I went to a ball game, I saw. You have to understand the intricacies of baseball. There's not the show. Back here. Arach HaShulchan, Chayshin Mishpat. Siman Reish Samach Zayin. Siman Chet. Okay. Now, how do I know what I know? So you see right away, what do I know? I know it from the sources. It's very simple. The Chayshin Mishpat already differentiates it. It all goes back to the Gemara. There's a Simen Mufak, there's a Simen Shainam Mufak. There's a Ramai. You need common sense. Shloshim and Isimanam Haim. The Chayshin already goes into much more detail. Gruim Mimutsaim U Mufakim. Gruim. What do you mean by Gruim? What do you mean by a bad Simen? You understand what I just said? The suit had a Sai Sims label in it. All right. Siman. Sai Sims has sold. 79 million suits. Why you is built with the money of Sai Sims. What kind? It's a Simon Guru. So that you come along and say, it was a black suit, a white suit, a, 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 a brown suit. Look at the words he says. That even if you have a lot of Simon Guruim, it is worthless. Gentlemen, what's in back of my mind? I'm not so concerned with Hashabat Aveta. 
So in Zayn Gezun, so you found the suit, you lost the suit, you lost money, you found money. In my lifetime, I've lost thousands and thousands of dollars worth of things. I've lost a lot in my lifetime. Lost a diamond ring. I can tell you, my wife's first diamond ring gone someplace on the street in New York. The ring fell out. She was pregnant and what's the difference? You lose in life, you have to take it. You can't get it. Don't let life get you down and don't let life aggravate you. I lost. It's not the end of the world. But David, what he's saying about Simonim, translate this to Aguna. You follow me? So look what you see here. A Simon Garua, you can have five Simonim Gruim. Perhaps they are totally worthless. The man was wearing a size sim suit that was brown. Single-breasted. Big deal. What did Josh say? Check the records. Sai Sim sold that year single-breasted brown suits uh, to the, with the Sai Sim's label 1,923,000. It's worthless. That's what he says. He's talking about the Mufakim. I love it. A little hole. He's like me now. A little hole. On the right side. A half centimeter. From the button. That's a simon mafak. That's a simon mafak. I have a beautiful coat. A beautiful coat with a new type of down that a Talmud gave me a gift. And I was walking up the hill, walking up Aza uh, last year. And damn it, they have barbed wire fences in the, in the modern day. You know, I was walking, I was walking along singing. It was nice. It was not raining. I was happy. I'm always happy. I was looking for Talmud to, to bother him. I always look for Talmud when I walk because I love to, I, I don't, I don't want to waste time. I have a Talmud. I can talk with him, whatever it is. So, and suddenly the, 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 the barbed wire made a hole in my, I, I come on some Baruch my wife patched it up. So it looks like I have an army coat with an insignia. That is a simimuvak. Even if they sold 1,923 coats of that type of, a, of, of what I say, what's that material? Down, that type of new down, and, and that color, I don't give a hoot. There's not one other coat in the world where the guy ripped it on barbed wire on the Chovazim in Jerusalem that his wife patched it up a certain way with a certain patch, with a certain thread to make it look like an army insignia. That's what he's saying here. One example, beautiful example. Or, Look at his words. Amazing. was no dummy. He knew that. Avedar, what's the end of the world? Avinadar returns to God. It's not the end of the world. But he knew something else. That what happens at the wedding of the Hashavat Avedar affects the wedding of the Aguna. And that's the big ballpark. That's the big leagues. That's the World Series. Hashavat Avedar is, is, is the triple, is, is the D League, the C League, the B League. It ain't the majors. And not only not the majors, it's not the World Series. Yeah, yeah. Let me, Josh, yeah? I don't know. I don't know yet. You're jumping ahead of me. You're jumping ahead of me. Josh, you suffer from a terrible Israeli illness. 
Sovlenitis. Lack of patience. Maybe you're saying something. I don't know yet. Big machloket achronim. Big machloket, Josh. You, I know. Could be. There, I can agree with you much more easily. Gruim, very hard to say. But, these are the words of the Archashua. You're jumping ahead of me. We're now back to the introduction. But I'm now giving you the sources. I didn't dream it up. I don't want Matthew to go home and totally land it. Oh, the Rebbe gave a beautiful share, but no sources. Now the sources. But I didn't want to confuse you. I wanted to give the, 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 the basics before I gave it. Now watch, watch what he does. Okay? The Yemtsayim. Why do we call Benoniyim? He calls it Yemtsayim. But in the Aguna literature, they call it Benoniyim. Why do we call Benoniyim? And, and he says, Ain't my This is something amazing. All the sugyas in Bab Metzia. You know, you found the money within a certain circumference. The money was piled up in a certain way. This simanim beinoniyim, emsayim. And yet, by Hashavat Aveda, it's sufficient. You return it. Is it the Rabbanon or is it the Oraita? See the words of the Arach HaShulchan? Simen Mufak, it would seem, is it the Oraita? Simen Mufak is like a patsof. But Simanim, what he calls Mufakim in the sense that by Aveda we would call it a Simen Mufak. I mean, after all, five coins are piled up one on top of another. He can identify the bills. It was five 100 new Israeli shekel bills. Maybe five bills were clipped to each other. This type of simon, is it the right of the Rabbanon? It may be a mufak by Aveda, but by Aguna, it's no more than a Benoni. And there, of course, how good is it how strong is it? Aveda the Oraita, then a Benoni has a lot of weight by Aguna. If it's a Durabaran by Aveda, then it has a lot less weight by Aguna. And this is what the Rambam, what the Arachashulchan says here. It's a magnificent introduction. And the introduction affects all of our halachic thinking. If I'm to take, and let me finish up, if I'm to take this Erech HaShulchan at face value, then my conclusion at this point in time would be very simple. A simin muvak, you may be able to be matar in a gunner. A simin garua, worthless. A simin emtsaigi or benoni, there you don't disregard it, but perhaps what Josh says is absolutely correct, you need a few to become a factor. How many do you need? And then you can think even further. Let's say we conclude that you need two simonim beinonim by aguna to equal 
one simon mufak. So maybe Josh will come along and say, what about if I have four simonim geruim? Does that equal one simonim benoni, which perhaps I can combine with some other factor to equal the mufak? You understand what I'm saying? It's an umbel- It's a fascinating, fascinating question. So let me reiterate and come back to the way we began. There's no question that Patsuf is the best way. The problem is that Patsuf disappears. We'll see sources on this next week. There's no question what Dani Yalkut said is right there in the Choshen Mishpat, right there throughout the Rishonim, into the Achronim. You have to use a lot of common sense. This is not a game we're playing. You're being Matir and Eshetish. A lot of common sense has to be used. And if you were choshish by Hashavat Aveda for Ramai, Allah had come of a comma where it comes to Dine Yishut, Aguna, Mamzerut, the lure of sex. A lot of common sense. You need police technique, forensic medicine, and forensic medicine on a practical level, simply on, on an investigative level. See, money can vary. And the most important part of today's Shia is we more or less define what we mean by a Mufak, what we mean by a Benoni, what we mean by a Garua. It could very well be what we call a Benoni by a Guna, may be a Simon Mufak by a Shabbat Aveda. It can very well be if this type of Benoni by a Shabbat Aveda is a Dindi or right, that this is what a Shabbat Aveda is all about, and we'll come back to this next week, that it will lift its value by a Guna. On the other hand, if it's only a Durabanan, if that's the case, then it lowers its value by Akuna. One thing is for sure, that Siman, Beinonayim, and Emtsaniyim are not to be dismissed. You can be of them. Something they do do for you if you feel there's something to build upon, if it's not just chance. Two Simanim, three Simanim. Simanim Garum are a lot weaker and while it may be that they have some slight value, but it never leaves the category of slight value. Quote, end quote. Gentlemen, next Sunday, I'll continue to put flesh and blood on these concepts. And once we finish the basic structure of the concepts, which we'll do next Sunday, we will move next Sunday into actual examples from the responsible literature. Tain lechachem v'yosif lekach. I cannot tell you how many thousands upon thousands of responsa were written dealing with simanim, dealing with these very problems, dealing with, again, the problem we raised, chayshin and l'shayla, did he borrow it, would he borrow it, could he borrow it? It's unbelievably fascinating because life, the way we dress, the way we act, what we carry in our pockets. It's an unbelievably fascinating world. I only go back to my earliest days in yeshiva. must have been 51. My Rebbe was from Michal Katz. And we had a kid in class, uh, Izzy Scheinfeld. Izzy's parents, his grandfather was Rav Noach Gantfigl, one of the famous Ravonim in the Bronx. That was his mother's father. And Izzy's father was a Wayu Mismach out of the 1920s, but he made a, he left the rabbinet and had a big business on the east side, which continues to, until today, Lismore Hosiery. So Izzy, compared to the rest of us, was a fairly wealthy kid. 
And he, I remember he had, when, when, when the uh, portable radios came out, he had like the first portable radio when ballpoint pens came out, had the first ballpoint pen. So one time, uh, his, the Rebbe, Rebbe Michal Katz said to Izzy, you know, this kid, he was, his mind was here, the Rebbe says to Izzy, empty out your pockets, what do you have in your pockets? And what this kid pulled out of his pockets, you know, who had wallets then, who had money then, who had who had batteries, who had portables, who had ballpoint pens. So I want to tell you, imagine you find pants filled with all these items. What do you call it? You understand? It can be Simonim Gruim. But when it's put all together, a lot of common sense. Okay, gentlemen, tomorrow I wouldn't miss the shear for anything. I'm, I'm continuing with Shlichot Adam. It's, it's overwhelming. It's the Rav at his prime. Next, next uh, then we have Yom Azikaron, Yom Atzmut. Then Be'ezrat Hashem, Achreimot Kedoshim. Then next Sunday we pick up here with Simonim. And then comes the big day, the Hesped for the late lamented Joe DiMaggio, subtitled on the art of being and teaching and on the art of being a Ben Torah and teaching Torah. I need not tell you in that Hesper, I'm going to let off a lot of steam with Leida and Meimad. Oh boy, am I going to let off steam. Tomorrow, by the way, in the Hashkafa, I'm dealing with Eida. And uh, I have a lot to say on not what actually happened, but the fallout around Eida. Because I don't know what the papers were that were presented but I know what happened before, and I know what happened afterwards, I know what happened with the Boston community, I know what happened with my own work on the rubber as a result, and uh, it's a fascinating topic. A painful topic, but a fascinating topic. Dear young people, until we meet again in health and happiness, back to your children. Oh, what a feeling. Fathers in Israel. Don't know what hit them. You had a... a a daughter, he had a son. Let me tell you. Just reminds me of another story that I, w- I wish it weren't true, but every syllable is true. I had a dear friend who was my chavrita. We learned, we learned together. We, we don't, we, we, we split, he wound up in Lakewood near, and he never forgave me for remaining in YU. He was my closest friend. I never went to sleep without calling him to say goodnight to him. We came from the Bronx, similar backgrounds. And one time we're walking through Mount Eden Park that Arya Mandel has heard so much about. And in Mount Eden Park, now we must have been about, uh, we were in the Rev Shear already, we had to be 1920. He sees this beautiful girl. And he finds.